Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Today's episode, week four NFL recap. And Monday night football preview. We will get to Niners Rams later on in the show. That ball game takes place Monday night in Santa Clara. We will also get the hot read, which features a game in week five, a line that looks good. That's all coming up in the show just after midnight here on the East Coast. Sunday night football just wrapped Kansas City and Tampa in Tampa. So it concludes a week four Sunday that had 14 games, including a game uh, in London earlier on Sunday morning. Brendan Glasheen, your host, with two of our very best Action Network NFL experts, Brandon Anderson and Jill Gallant. Let's dive in to Chiefs, Bucks, <laughs> Kansas City, underdogs. Patrick Mahomes doing the post game on NBC. Yeah, I remembered everything about that loss and what it was like walking out in the streets of Tampa when I lost to Tom and company in the Super Bowl. Brandon Anderson, Chiefs is a dog. I, I feel like I'm repeating myself from week one when they beat up Arizona. Tyreek who? I mean, they they handled their business. They had no problem moving the offense. 41-31, Chiefs win. They cover plus two. Yeah, they got the cover. They got the win. The Chiefs almost hit the over on their own. They came only like one score away from doing that. Like Bucks fumbled the opening kickoff and the Chiefs get the easy touchdown. And it just felt like the Bucks were playing from behind the entire rest of the game after that. You just, you can't dig yourself a hole like that against Mahomes and the Chiefs when they're playing this well. And I thought first half, so the Chiefs score four touchdowns in the first half. The Bucks elite defense had allowed three touchdowns the entire season so far in September. And then the Chiefs put up four in one half. Honestly, most impressive half football that I have seen a team play so far this season. This for me is the first time that it felt like we had two genuinely great teams playing really good football against each other. You know, September is more and more like the preseason. The, the guys aren't really playing actual preseason ball anymore. This felt like, okay, we've kind of shaken off the rust. We're ready to go. Pat and Tom were here. The Chiefs dropped 41 on the number one DVOA defense. That is something because coming into this game, I wondered, Brandon, you mentioned that opening week against the, the Cardinals. I wondered if that had maybe thrown us off the scent. Maybe the Chiefs did miss Tyreek a little bit. Maybe the offense wasn't what we thought it could be. Well, so much for that. The offense is here. Travis Kelsey was a monster, mm -hmm. huge, huge chain mover, big part of the game. He had, 
almost 11 of their 12 passing EPA for the game. And the Chiefs were 12 of 17 on third down, five of six in the red zone. To, do, to be that efficient, nearly invincible against this good of a defense was a crazy performance for me. Why do we keep betting against Mahomes as an underdog? Like, I think this is the one thing that like we almost overthink it. Uh, like he's 7-0 and one ATS as an underdog. Uh, Action Network, we tweeted this out just a little bit earlier. No other quarterback undefeated ATS as a dog in the last 20 years, minimum of four starts. Uh, and the Bucks defense, you were right, Brandon, just not really showing what we were used to over the first three weeks. Like they didn't get any pressure. They only got one sack on Mahomes the entire time. Now they knocked him down a little bit here or there, but – I mean, this game is just a treat, guys. I think we, after what we've seen so far, especially from a primetime standpoint, uh, you know, unders were eight and four, you know, coming into that. I don't include the Vikings Saints game. Sorry, Brandon. I'm not putting the Minnesota Vikings in primetime just because they're in London. Uh, but this game felt like the Eddie Murphy analogy, like the cracker analogy. Like if you're starving and you eat some crackers, like you're like, oh my God, this is the best cracker I've ever eaten. Like, but overall, I didn't really find it to be like that good of a game you know from a buck standpoint yes they did put up offensively but you know settling for that field goal early in the in the first quarter like that was to me the biggest indication of like they're going to be playing catch up this entire game now because you can't kick field goals against this team and I mean Mahomes you know in the second half he was just looking so crisp but then he couldn't help himself has to throw an interception an inconsequential interception just to let the Bucks feel like they're part of this game because really I felt like the Chiefs just kind of steamrolled them for the most part uh and now plus money props uh for quarterback interception props again six and three this week 20 and 12 on the season if you would just blindly bet the plus money interception props this year so many trends about Brady too being horrid in primetime spots now two and 13 against the number in his last 15 primetime games. Then you got Mahomes just straight up off a loss, improving to 12 and three, does cover. So he's up over 500 on that mark. But Mahomes as a chief, the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, never an underdog, off a loss. Stunning stuff and just how multiple they can be offensively. They got the Raiders next week. So the Chiefs are very much legit um, with that performance tonight. But yeah, you know what, with Tampa, Brandon, they're going to have some time to figure this out. Yeah, I actually think this might be a good buy-low spot on Tampa Bay. So, you know, this was a rough loss for them in that they were really never super competitive. They kept pushing back, but never quite getting there. Tom Brady, though, 367 yards, three touchdowns. That just feels like a normal Tom Brady line. Look at the last three games, though. That has not been a normal Tom Brady line this season. The man had three touchdowns the whole month of September. So to be able to put that up tonight, to get Mike Evans going again, this was by far the Buccaneers' best offensive game of the season also against the Chiefs' defense that has been pretty good so far this season. So I think you can feel pretty good about Tampa Bay's offense also. And I was always looking coming into the season at this week coming off the Chiefs game is where you want to buy in on Tampa Bay because coming into the season, first four games, the Bucs played Dallas, New Orleans, Green Bay, Kansas City. Now, Dallas and New Orleans haven't been as good as we thought they would have been coming into the season, but that was always going to be a really tough start. Now, it's Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Carolina the next three weeks. This is the spot where you get your guys starting to get healthy. Chris Godwin's back. They got both their tackles back. The offense starting to get the gears moving. So I think this is going to be a spot where you can get a little value on the Bucs going forward. The worry for me with Tampa's offense, they only had six rushes the entire game. They just didn't even try to run the ball. 
And look, we've seen that before the Tom Brady team where they're just like, Hey, you know what? Just, just get the ball out quick. Just do your thing. But if you have the ball 21 minutes against this chiefs team, you just let Pat stay out on the field for two thirds of the game. It's not going to go very well for you. So that to me was the problem. They're going to have to still solve that offensive line. I had to bring up two. Here's a line from the box score. Second goal, Tampa Bay 2, 11-26, second quarter. P. Mahomes pass short right to C. Edwards Alaire for two yards, touchdown. That line undersells one of the most phenomenal plays I have ever seen in my life when Mahomes evades a pass rusher, rolls out right, buys some time. Already in my head, I'm thinking once he gets past that first guy, I'm like, oh, it's a touchdown. You can't give Mahomes time like this. Looks like he's going to run spins back away from a defender into the field, stops and like lays it up over a couple defenders to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who was second ago had been trying to block a couple of guys. Just every time we watch Pat Mahomes, he's inventing some new play that we've never seen before. And I just, I had to chuckle about how bland that they put into the box score. It's just fun watching these guys play. Kansas City covers as a dog. Patrick Mahomes, never a dog off a loss. And uh, the first time was tonight uh, and Sunday night. He delivered Buffalo and Baltimore was a game. Everyone circled conversation about Lamar V Allen bet the MVP. If you have a strong feeling on a side and then we come down to the end of this game and John Harbaugh, once again, on fourth down is doing stuff or like John, like you got the best kicker in the league. Take the lead. And what do you know, Buffalo uses that as fuel. They come down and we get our lone push of the day. The final closing line was Buffalo minus three. They win the game, Jill, 23-20. Yeah, I think the biggest shock for me from this game just was the fact that the Ravens, how quickly they pounced on them up 20-3 to and then get outscored by 20 straight points. Like that just to me, I was like, what is happening right now? Because – I mean, the defense for Buffalo, one thing that I think we have to kind of give credit to, second-half defense through four games, they have three shutouts uh, and only one touchdown allowed in the second half through four games to Chase Edmonds uh, against the Dolphins. But the Rams, Ravens, and Titans all shut out in the second half. I think that's pretty convincing. Uh, Josh Allen, again, getting up for a big game. Like, I took his rushing yards prop. It was set inexplicably at, like, 39 and a half, 11 rushes for 70 yards. Um, and I mean, dating back to last year, including the playoffs now for anybody who's going to be looking at this rushing yard prop, he's got at least 45 rushing yards in nine of his last 11 games. And they're going to probably adjust this up to about 45 to 50, I think in the next game here. And Isaiah McKenzie, I think he's the new Gabe Davis, three touchdowns in four games now, seven and a half units of profit. If you would just violently take an Isaiah McKenzie, but overall guys, uh, pretty convincing win by Buffalo, but when they were down 20 to three, I'm not going to lie. I started thinking of, oh, here we go. They're going to be two and two Buffalo, you know, all the hype deflated and, you know, they are who they are. I feel like this game actually played out a little bit according to how I thought the script might go. We know Baltimore is just this incredible first half team. Lamar Jackson, I believe now 36, 15 and two against the spread in the first half for his career. So we knew Buffalo was going to come out maybe a little tired after that long Miami game. The Ravens get an interception, a third play of the game, I believe, off a tiff pass, build that early lead. And I had recommended going to the game, okay, look for a spot, look to live bet the bill that Baltimore secondary is weak. And then I paused and I was like, man, but 17 to three, 20 to three, 
maybe this is just one of those games where it just gets away from you. I had bills were at plus 310, I believe, at one point on the money line. And then they just started coming back. They, they got the touchdown just before the half. Kind of a vintage Josh Allen does everything drive for them. And kind of just sloppy, rainy, yucky, hurricane-type game that we thought this was supposed to be this great MVP showdown. I don't feel like Lamar or Josh were bad. I, just, I didn't feel like I watched an MVP pull away from the pack today by any means. They were fine. They ran the ball better, I think, than they passed. But Baltimore's offense, really, outside of Lamar Jackson's running, not a lot there today. I saw Buffalo's first win in 40 games when trailing by 17 or more, and also the biggest comeback in Josh Allen's career. So, yeah, Buffalo, like you said, Joe, this is who they thought they could be. This feels like one of those wins that goes on the DVD at the end of the season. Do, do we still make DVDs? I don't know. On, on the Blu-ray, on the Netflix, Ooh, whatever we do now. Like this feels like a big confidence booster win and a win that is going to matter in the playoff seedings and tiebreakers down the line. It's an excellent point. Like that was the narrative on Buffalo coming in. They can't win close games. Bills are the next to the Texans. They are the worst team in the league the last two years in one score games at the end they they could not find a way and in this case they had to come back down multiple scores baltimore is now six and oh against the number as a home dog over the last five years so they're rarely in this spot they don't cover but they do indeed get the victory uh, at home as a dog and for those wondering on the FanDuel Sportsbook right now as we record, the MVP odds didn't change after this game. Josh <laughs> Allen's plus 300. Lamar Jackson is plus 550. So right. that's interesting. So Lamar doesn't take the big leap, but makes some sense. This was a very close game, Jill. Well, I was going to say, does this like worry you guys at all? Like thinking about Buffalo from an AFC picture standpoint, two times in four games now, just coughing up second half leads, like where it looked like they were pretty much in control. And now to the Dolphins and the Bills, like, I kind of am a little worried now about late game situations here with this team, especially as you were alluding to with Harbaugh there and obviously that late interception by Lamar. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the worry for the Ravens is, I, I talked about this on social media a bit too, I actually worry, is, is Lamar Jackson too valuable to the Ravens? And here's what I mean by that. He, the man is doing everything for them. He's running the ball. He's passing the ball. He can't play defense, though. And the defense, like you said, keeps blowing these big leads in the second half. And look, J.K. Dobbins was back. But you look at the, the advanced metrics, the, they ran the ball well when Lamar ran. They did not really run that efficiently when the rest of the running backs did their job. This is still a Lamar save us, do everything sort of offense. And he can. And he has so far for most of the games but he can't play defense. And at some point too, he's going to take a hit or he's going to have a bad game or face a defense that figures him out for a half. And that's, you don't want to necessarily have your money on an MVP candidate who has to do everything. That kind of reminds me of Russell Wilson in recent years of Kyler Murray in recent years, guys where we get midway in the year and you're the MVP favorite. And then all of a sudden, Hey, the team just wasn't good enough around you. To me, that's a little bit what I'm starting to see from Baltimore. And I need to see more of a team effort. The good news with the Ravens is they're still not totally healthy. And they should get more healthy as the year goes on, we hope, as they start to get more of these guys back. So that could close the gap a little bit. But I do think it's a real concern. Let's head to the AFC South. Tennessee and Indianapolis faced off in Indy. Wow. 
the Colts. They are just, uh, <laughs> it is, it's not pretty. Matt Ryan throws another pick, Jill. So that's uh, plus 125. Tennessee wins outright 24 17. I understand there was a fourth and 21 at the end of this game, but Frank Wright, like, what are you, what are you doing? You're trying to kick the field goal with McLaughlin and it misses. He missed it, which of course, and you're still in that spot going to be down four points. Like, like Brandon, I don't, I don't follow here. You were on the Titans before this. I think we, like you said, you said this in our best bets episode last week, too many points, Tennessee delivered. They had a big lead. Indy made a comeback, but they just didn't have it at the end. Yeah, they didn't have it. And honestly, I'm not sure the Titans really had it either, which tells you how much the Colts really didn't have it. That field goal decision at the end of the game by Frank Reich, basically kicking, you're down seven and you kick the field goal at the two minute mark. What are we doing? Like, I thought about that field goal decision on and off the whole rest of the afternoon. It's complicated because if you first you have to convert a fourth and 21, then still score a touchdown. And I think the part that makes it, you know, the math gets wonky is you haven't won the game. You've still only tied it and still have to fade Tennessee's scoring and win the game in overtime. Whereas I think you make the field goal, you force your hand a little bit and you have to go win it right now. You're gonna have to score twice still to win the game. The, the, the odds are like getting to score once there, I think. I think that's what's happening. It's very confusing. I, I felt like Frank Reich was trying to get himself fired at the time that he kicked it. So yeah, we know both these teams just want to run the ball. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, and if you look at the results, it's no, no secret what the result of the game was. Derrick Henry, 22 carries, 114 and a touchdown, had another TD called back. Looked like himself today for the first time all year. Jonathan Taylor, 20 carries for 42 yards. That is awful. And that is against a terrible run defense, one of the worst in the league. Colts were terrible, minus 0.61 EPA per play on 22 runs. That is not going to get the job done and especially against a defense that's not been good. Um, I noted two rough break. If you had the over on this one, line finished, or the total is at 45. It's 24-10 at the half. You're feeling really good on your over. We only had seven points the entire second half, and that stupid field goal at the end. Just make the field goal. We hit the over. Or score a touchdown, we hit the over. We got nothing out of it. I kind of feel like these teams both stink. This, to me, is a spot where I wanted to go back on, on the Jaguars, which I know we'll get to in a second. Jill, I think we have the longest odds touchdown of the season in this one, too. Yeah, I tweeted this out earlier, so forgive me for the pronunciation here. Chagosium Okomquo. I'm, I'm just going to try that. We'll try yeah. it out. It fits, I think. But, yeah, he was a plus 4,000 anytime touchdown today. So he is the new overall profits leader. Xander Horvath and River Craycraft, <laughs> you, could, you could slide down the podium because we got a new leader in Chagosium. Uh, who, uh, and I mean, one thing I just wanted to mention, uh, Jonathan Taylor, again, left the game too. I think he might've had a high ankle sprain. He might be out for a couple weeks, at least for the upcoming week. And, uh, Derek Henry, again, climbing up the touchdown rate. Like it was right now, it was Jonathan Taylor and Derek Henry at the top of the most rushing touchdowns for the year. So Henry might be in a good spot to take that title back. Traylon Burks, the young receiver for Tennessee. He had to leave this game as well. So that's something to monitor for their passing game but uh yeah titans are two and a half point favorites heading to washington next week and the colts are they are three point dogs in denver on thursday on thursday so moving right along jacksonville philly oh the jaguars so many turnovers in this game jill eagles win 29 21 they cover the six and a half points yeah and overall pretty fun game to watch i mean despite the weather but it pretty much went to script um 
34 combined points in the first half, but it was the same story. Just the, the, the Eagles just run over everybody. Everybody got the score. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell scored. Uh, I mean, even Trey Sermon was getting looks in the red zone. He didn't get in, though. Um, and I thought the Jaguars were pretty close. I thought they could try to win this game. They were making a little bit of a run there at the end. But then Trevor Lawrence just throws that inexplicable interception to James Bradbury, who just read it like a book, and that pretty much killed him, and that was the end of the game. The debut of Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. He enters the game for Mitchell Trubisky. Brandon Anderson, Mike Tomlin saw enough. It it looked like that was the spark necessary for Pittsburgh. They were going to go ahead and take control of this thing. But the Jets, they went outright 24-20. They cover the three points. Eventful debut for Pickett. The guy plays five drives in the second half. He scores a touchdown himself on two of them, running it in throws an interception on the other three drives. So every drive goes in the scrapbook on one page or another for Kenny Pickett. I thought he was pretty good. He he had an 83% completion percentage, way over expected. His EPA was pretty good. Yeah, obviously you can't throw three interceptions. One of them on a Hail Mary at the end of the game, kind of not a big deal. But you got to assume Pickett's probably playing now. Here's Pittsburgh's schedule coming up next. Buffalo, Tampa, Miami, Philly. Good luck, Rook. Good luck. Glad we brought you in for that stretch just now. So I don't know about that. Three of those are on the road. Zach Wilson, he came back. He threw a touchdown to both teams. He's done a little bit of that in the past, so that's a bit of a problem. I'm going to be looking at Zach and Kenny in the interception leader category after this game. That's my takeaway. One of our biggest dogs of the season, the New England Patriots, without Mac Jones, and then at some point without Brian Hoyer, enter Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi. The Western Kentucky sensation, fourth round pick of the Patriots in this recent NFL draft. And he hung in there. The Patriots hung in there even when Hoyer was taking snaps. So Brian Hoyer is 0-12 in his last 12 starts. That is still a stat that continues for (laughs) Hoyer. Jill, the Packers win in overtime thanks to a field goal. The Patriots do cover, however, the run games of both these teams pretty significant. And Aaron Rodgers is still trying to figure out what these young receivers like. I, I, I got to find some trust. Another plus money interception that was prop, that was biggest of the week again uh, at plus 230. So interceptions in three or four games had you blindly bet Rodgers interception in all four games so far, you'd be up just 5.2 units in profit, just doing nothing. But he did get his 500 passing touchdown of his career, Romeo Dobbs, uh, who then could have probably sealed the game in the fourth quarter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, Bailey Zappi, when he came in, what it reminded me of is when Bill Belichick used to do that chirp to, to Tom Brady being like, I can get a quarterback from Foxborough High to make that pass. Like, that's who I literally thought who he brought in the game. I was like, who is this guy? Like, because I mean, let's be real. I thought Brian Hoyer was just going to hand it off a lot. And I thought that was going to be pretty much the most of the game. But uh, yeah, Patriots defense, they kept them in this game. And uh, yeah, just held on for that cover. And uh, the Packers, even though they came out with the win, just still look like a mess offensively. Seattle and Detroit, holy points, holy cow, our (laughs) highest scoring game of the season, Brandon Anderson, and the Seahawks win and cover, I I don't even know where to start in this game, but Geno Smith, Jared Goff, two offensive magicians, like we all expect. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, the Geno Goff showdown that we've all been dreaming of for years, Seahawks 48-45, we got Scorigami, our first 48-45 in NFL history, that's fun, we are way over on this game. The total is 47 and a half. The Seahawks hit the over on their own and Detroit almost hit the over on their own. I don't know if I've seen that happen very much before. You don't put up 45 and lose very often. 
Lions overs, 4-0 now. Lions overs and then some on this one. So keep playing the Lions. They score a lot. They give up a lot of points. They're going to go to Foxborough next week, uh, taking on who knows who's a quarterback for the Patriots. We will find out. Zach, I would think so. Uh, We'll find out. Denver, Vegas, another featured game in that 4 o'clock window. So Denver plays a slop fest a week ago tonight. Vegas hasn't won a game until they win 32-23. Jill, they cover two and a half. I'm more disappointed in in the Denver defense in this game, but then again, it's a desperate spot for the Raiders. They get their first win with Josh McDaniels. I mean, their pass defense was still pretty good. I mean, they held Derek Carr to below 200 passing yards and Devontae Adams couldn't really get off the entire game. I, I mean, Josh Jacobs is though is who just has destroyed the Broncos in his career. Guys, six career games versus Denver, nine touchdowns, 708 yards. He has two touchdowns or more in three games playing against them. Uh, But yeah, I think you guys are just trying to punish me, man. Honestly, just making me cover this Broncos offense again and again. Uh, Javante Williams is probably going to be up for the foreseeable future. Uh, But yay, they scored 23 points. Yay. Like we saw Russ cook. Look what happens when you run Russ. Like my God, like again, it's just on third down, they're 20 of 57 for the year. I just don't even want to think about the Broncos offense anymore. Uh, Yeah. Let's move on. Six games to go, and we're throwing them all in the oven because these are our frozen pizzas of the week. It's not delivery, and it's not exactly pizza either. It's almost pizza. It's very nearly pizza, but not quite. Pizza that's practically pizza in every way, except for a few key ones. Come on, dig in. These are just games that don't don't deserve a whole lot of attention, but they kept us entertained. They kept us, they gave us just enough to, to, to serve our appetite during this NFL Sunday. Minnesota and New Orleans, Brandon, were in London this morning, and wow, um, Minnesota finds a way. I guess it's a prime time win for Kirk Cousins. I know Jill said not, <laughs> not to give it to him, but the Saints cover. If you got three and a half on the Saints, good for you. If you got three and a half on the Saints, good for you. If you got Vikings minus one on our look ahead, good for you. Definitely. We got the cover also. So my Vikings got the win against whoever it was that the Saints had. They didn't bring any of their offensive starters with them to London. Didn't seem to matter. They're moving the ball right up and down the field on Minnesota. Saints get a 60-yard field goal late to tie and then nearly hit the 61-yarder to tie again. We got the double doink, just only the way that London fans can see a little kick to decide a game. So Vikings get the win, not convincing. The Vikings do not look like a great 3-1 and team right now to me. All right, Joe Gallant. Dallas wins again with Mm. Cooper Rush. 25-10, they cover three. Cooper Rush... Or Dak Prescott, pick one. No, we're not doing the quarterback controversy. (laughs) We're just doing the Lord and Savior, Cooper Rush. We're just going to bless this house. But I will say this. We could talk about the three and one, but they got the Rams and Eagles coming up. So we're going to find out pretty quickly if whether or not either of those quarterbacks should be starting. But Brandon, I'm sorry, man. We got to pour one out for Carson Wentz. It's done. It's over. (laughs) Like, it's just, I can't say right now, legitimately, that he's going to be a starting quarterback in the league by next year. Carson Wentz is done. Daniel Jones runs for 68 yards and two scores. Saquon Barkley, 146 on the ground. By the way, if you got Justin Fields on his passing yards today, good for you. It was one of the lowest passing totals in like ever. Uh, He throws for 174, so it it wasn't anything special. But Fields' number was in the 140s today. Passing yards, he gets there. Brandon Giants win 2012, and they cover minus three at home. Yeah, Fields had a season high, 11 completions in this game. Had a boy, Justin Fields, double digits. My man even had three completions on the final play. One of those little pitch it around the field. I counted up. 
three completions on final play. That's as many completions as he had in any quarter the whole season so far. So Justin Fields coming on up. The Giants and the Cowboys, somehow three and one, both of them. Just like we thought. Big race in the NFC East. Daniel Jones, Tarod Taylor, both got hurt in this one. So we'll see if our three and one Giants have a quarterback going forward. We went to Saquon Barkley for a wildcat for a bit here. So that may be the plan going ahead. The completions total is like the amount of time it takes to heat up a frozen pizza. I mean, 11, <laughs> 11 minutes, 11 completions, and then you're ready to eat. So thank you, Justin. Sure smells like pizza. That was their intention. Just eat some. Hell no. Chargers-Texans, another game that was on this slate. Chargers built a big lead. Jill, Houston makes it interesting. Davis Mills to Brandon Cooks. He finally got in the end zone. But the Chargers get there. They cover five and a half. You maybe saw some sixes out there, but they cover regardless. Yeah, I mean, really, it was the Austin Eckler show. Three touchdowns yep. after not scoring at all in the first three weeks. Uh, Herbert was good, not great, honestly, but their their defense just really missed Joey Bosa. Like, they got beat up bad by Damian Pierce, uh, the running back there. But uh, I'm done with Davis Mills as well, him and Carson Wentz. Like, again, just Davis Mills has no pocket awareness. Like, he will not run the ball. He's basically just Matt Ryan without the arm, which is basically a terrible, terrible version of a quarterback. Uh, so yeah, I, I, honestly, I feel like the Chargers did what they had to do. A lot closer game than you would think, but overall, Chargers are the better team. Matt Ryan without the arm, you could put that on a shirt, and I think folks might in Houston might even buy that. Um, this I found this game entertaining. Cleveland Atlanta, um, <laughs> Atlanta. Maybe Brandon's laughing because I don't know if he agrees or disagrees. But twenty three twenty or final Atlanta wins outright, and they also cover plus one. Yeah, this one's for the nerds. I'm actually really excited to rewatch this one this week. So maybe we're doing a disservice by throwing this in our frozen pizzas. But look, we're gonna dump uh, on Justin Fields. Pizza. I was I was just entertained by it. Like I, I yes, mean, it's a it's a DiGiorno. It's, it's yeah, not delivered. Some of your own toppings to it. Yeah, there we go. But look, Atlanta only completed seven passes. If we're gonna dump on Justin Fields, we got to give Marcus Mariota the same same treatment. Lots of running in this game. Old school football. Both teams ran 35 times, over almost 400 rushing yards combined. Falcons, 2-2. Two and two. The division-leading Atlanta Falcons, now 4-0 against the spread. They are a pretty solid-looking team. That offense is pretty good. They get Tampa next. They're getting eight points. Maybe that's a hot read. We'll see. Uh, Arizona, Carol. Oh, I wish Brandon had this game because Brandon deserves to do the, the victory laps of all victory laps. <laughs> if you got Arizona, you bet against Matt Rule as a favorite, probably the last time ever in his existence. College, pro, XFL, name a freaking league. This guy, <laughs> this is definitely a frozen pizza game. Jill, 26-16, they win and they cover plus one. They were dogs in this game. Yeah, Baker with a very undangerous 170 passing yards uh so giving uh justin fields and others uh run for their money here uh, honestly my favorite takeaway was kyler and kingsbury arguing like it reminded me when kids get their xbox taken away and the parent is like yelling at them that's exactly the analogy that i would use of what it reminded me of but uh brandon what was the what was the overall mark for you you were saying that matt ruled this will be the last game that he will ever be favored in in the NFL or just in general as a football coach? I, I think ever. I think this is it for Matt Rule. This might be it for Baker Mayfield too. We had one more chance as favorites. This was a disaster game. Like Baker had minus a half EPA per passing play, meaning every time, every two plays Baker tried to pass, they, he cost the team a point. Every two times, all game, he hit a lot of passes. That's how bad it was. I, I would be perfectly fine after watching this game if we never saw either one of these coaches staffs again like the the Cardinals are trying to quit on Cliff Kingsbury in real time during the game 
and running away with it from the Panthers. So this, this is embarrassing. I'm not sure we're going to see either one of these teams looking like this too long going forward. So those are the 14 games, everybody, from Sunday. Underdogs get eight wins of the 14. So they go eight, five, and one. The one push was Buffalo and Baltimore at three. So dogs keep doing well. Unders are still in good shape, well over 500. By the way, from Thursday's episode, Stucky and Raybon, the six-pack went two, three, and one. We were over 500 on the Friday Best Bet episode, four, three, and two. Brandon Anderson, golf clap goes three and zero, oh, including those Cardinals. So we're up over, uh, we're up eight over 500 with two pushes on the year. So we're doing well. As a reminder, you can follow all of our picks on the Action app by following both accounts, Sunday Six Pack and Action Network NFL Picks. So those are the two places you can find all of our picks. Let's look ahead uh, to Monday night. We still have the hot read to get to Rams Niners, McVay Shanahan. Niners are home favorites by a point and a half. They're coming off that loss to Denver totals at 42 and a half. Brandon Anderson, where are we looking here on this game? I'm really torn on this one. So I love in recent years, betting on Kyle Shanahan against Sean McVay. Shanahan eight and three against the spread against McVay seven and two of that though, as an underdog, this time he's the favorite. Shanahan's not great as a favorite. The Niners had won six in a row against the Rams. They were up 10 in the NFC Championship game in the fourth quarter. Cry, cry for us who had the Niners' futures. And the Rams won that one. But the Niners have dominated, however, four of those last six games have been within a field goal. Another one within a touchdown. So have they dominated? Or have they just flipped a couple of heads in a row the right way? I think we're looking at a close game here. The 49ers, by the way, are missing their best player, Trent Williams, who they're one and three without. They're missing Trey Lance, missing Elijah Mitchell. The thing I've liked about this matchup for the Niners in recent years is that dominant run game. You lose your running quarterback, your running back, and your best O-lineman, the best in the game, you're probably going to lose that edge too. So I feel like this is going to be very close. I feel like the line seems about right. I would lean Rams one and a half with the points if you need to make a pick. But here's where I'm going with my pick. This feels like we're going to come down to just who made a mistake. We got Matt Stafford. We got Jimmy Garoppolo. Somebody going to make a mistake in this game. I'm going to play Jimmy Garoppolo to throw me an interception. Yes. In seven starts against the Rams, Garoppolo has eight interceptions. He's thrown an interception in five of the seven games. So 71% versus... 55% all of his other starts in his career. So at minus 108 to throw an interception, 52% implied, even just his career numbers gives us a slight edge there. But against the Rams, who have been a very ball hawking team, we know Jimmy just, you know, I have nightmares still about Jimmy throwing the ball away to the Rams team. So I like Jimmy to throw an interception. Can't fault you if you like Stafford. I'll take the Jimmy G interception at minus 108 at FanDuel. The primetime spots to Jill have been good for the under totals at 42 and a half. Now, of course I say that tonight we get 70 plus points between <laughs> Tampa and Kansas city, but two different outfits, two quarterbacks. We can trust more than to Brandon's point Garoppolo and Stafford from an any. So of course, you know, Brandon's stealing your thunder here with the picks, but what about any time touchdown? Where might we be looking? Yeah, right now uh, I would have to say George Kittle has the best value at around plus 200. Um, just scoring in two of the last three games. He's probably going to have to be out there to help combat some of that pass rush that comes through. But uh, Brandon, I, I'm loving that you're coming into my neck of the woods. Like, come on in, man. The water is warm. We can <laughs> bet both of the guys to throw an interception. Matt Stafford is still minus 115 to throw a pick. 
and he's thrown five picks in three games this year and five <laughs> in three games against San Francisco last year. Uh, two, two interception games and a one interception game against them. Also another guy that you might want to be looking at, guys. I don't usually endorse people betting on uh, touchdowns that are uh, minus odds, but Cooper Cup is sitting there right now at minus 110. He had over 360 receiving yards, three touchdowns against them last year. You know the target share is there. Honestly, I wouldn't normally endorse this, but this is like one time where you're getting him better than minus 150. I suspected, Jill, I saw your tweet, and you're going to come in on the Stafford interception, so I'm ready here with another number for you. So 20 games with the Rams, Stafford has thrown an interception in 13 of them, 65% of his games. So we like that number. And if you like to bet on soccer, you do the old BTTS, the both teams to score. How about a both teams to intercept? Can we get a BTTI? I'm seeing a plus 265 that we get a Stafford and a Garoppolo interception. Let's have fun. What's more fun than watching Monday night rooting for bad things to happen to Matt Stafford and Jimmy Garoppolo? Just throw the ball away to the other team. Come on, throw it away. Plus 265. I think I might do it. I don't, I don't hate it. It sounds amazing, uh, quite honestly. So should be a good showdown, though. Rams-Niners NFC Championship game rematch. That is a game that was a year ago, and, of course, they are division foes. Okay, time now to get a quick look at NFL Week 5 lines. We're going to kick off the hot read. Hot rock. Blue 17. Nice right. Ice cream. Jose. Blue the Raiders. 19 sell. 19 double. Louisville Soul Train. In this segment, uh, the guys are going to discuss spreads they're already targeting a week in advance. Of course, these spreads are coming out today uh, as we wrap the Sunday show. Um, and they're all kind of getting finalized based on final games. So it's not always about analysis of the game or a matchup, but it's the shift in the number before kickoff. So trying to get the best of the number, Brandon Anderson has two for us, two hot reads. What do you like, Brandon, for week five? Well, we faded the... Uh... Dolphins a week ago going into Thursday night. We knew it was a rough spot for them coming off of that long, hot game against Buffalo. We sold high. Now we're going the other way. It's time to buy low on the Dolphins. I'll take Miami minus three heading to New York to face the Jets. This line was minus six this morning. Miami didn't play, remember? They already been sitting around since Thursday. So let me recap what happened for you. The Jets, the mighty Jets knocked off Mitchell Trubisky and debut quarterback Kenny Pickett. And we were like, oh, the Jets are good now. Let's move the line by a field goal. Does that make sense to you? doesn't make sense to me. We're getting a good number here, minus three, by a low spot on Miami. They get an extra half week of rest. And that secondary of the Jets, not good. Not going to be good against Jalen Waddell. Not going to be good against Tyreek Hill. And I know, we don't know who's playing quarterback yet. Okay. Yeah, we do. We do. It's Teddy Bridgewater. Let's mm -hmm. be honest with ourselves. Teddy Bridgewater, in his career, 67% cover rate against the spread. Teddy Roadshow is 24-6. and six. Teddy Bridgewater against the spread in his career, 24-6, and six, covering on the road 80% of the time. This line is not going to stay at minus three once we come to our senses and remember how good Miami has been this year. And that Teddy looked just fine throwing his guys the ball. It's going to climb a little bit. I want to grab the minus three while I get the key number. Are you concerned if it's Tua? Just give it, just given the noise. I'm, I'm, I'm playing yeah. the narrative game. I, I'm concerned with the narrative of it. Just 
regardless of it, I'm concerned with what's the noise behind the, the closed doors, what's happening with the, you know, the possible investigation. Correct. I don't love that. So maybe yeah. that plays in a little bit. I trust Teddy. I trust, you know, McDaniel's done a good job. This offense is really good. Miami had the number one offense in the NFL before this week. And the Jets were near the bottom in defense. That's good enough for me when it's only three points. Fair enough. You've got one more for us, but it's a little, little different form of a hot read. It is. So we're doing a little teaser. Let's tease a little bit. So I want to get out ahead of these. I'll tell you why we need to tease these. I'm going to start by teasing the Packers. We're going back to London Sunday morning. So if you remember Sunday morning, London favorites, when the Jaguars are not involved, they're home away from home, still undefeated. Now 10-0-1 straight up. The Packers are favorites by a lot against the Giants. Remember, the Giants don't have a quarterback right now. We're not really too sure who's going to play for them next week. I know the Packers only barely got the job done against the Patriots, but they got the job done. They got the win. They're kind of a grinded out win sort of team this year. Favorites win. We're on a neutral field. Packers minus seven and a half. We tease it down to minus one and a half. We basically just need to not win by one. We're good to go. But I felt bad leaving the Jaguars out of my whole London experience thing. So let's throw the Jaguars back in. They're home seven point favorites against the Texans. We tease them down to one. And Jacksonville, I feel fine about them after this game today. Their defense was fantastic against the Eagles. Trevor Lawrence just didn't have a good day. Offensive line didn't have a good day. The Eagles got there. Guess who doesn't have the Eagles' D-line and defense? It's Houston. I'm not that worried about the Texans. They were not really competitive today, even though they made it closer late. Basically, this is a just-win-baby teaser. We get the Packers at minus one and a half. We get the Jags at minus one. Both teams win by two points or more. We're good to go. And the reason you want to hot read this and grab it now is this. Teasers tend to move the lines a little bit in that books will try to get teaser protection. These lines at seven, seven and a half, they're going to move up as the week goes, settle in at like eight and a half or nine. Why? Because they're protecting against teasers. They don't want you to get under the three. They want you to get stuck at the three or higher Grab the number now, get that teaser, give me a just win baby, Packers, Jaguars, London combo. Love it. Jill, you got anything for us before we close out? Just the Cowboys line right now sitting at six uh, against the Rams. Obviously, we have to see what happens here in this Rams 49ers game, but let's assume or just say for now, just for a theory's sake, that uh, the Rams win uh, by three points, let's say. Dak Prescott might be coming back, and we talked about this off air that maybe he's worth I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious he'd be worth a lot more to the spread than what Cooper Rush would be. So if you are looking at the Cowboys, you maybe want to consider them now. But if you think that Dak is going to play and you don't think the Cowboys are going to win either way with Dak or Cooper Rush, wait a little bit. Let Dak come in that you can get the Rams at a better line. Okay, good stuff. Very good. The Action Network podcast returns on Friday. We will have our best bets episode for week five. Also, uh, keep it locked in for all of our other podcast action on the Action Network podcast as it pertains to NFL picks. Follow the guys, Joe Gallant, Brandon Anderson, over on the Action Network app. You can also follow the show to find all of the picks and data. You can search Action Network NFL picks, and those, including the hot reads from tonight, those will be coming in fast and furious before we get to Thursday. For Joe Gallant, Brandon Anderson, Brendan Glasheen, thank you all so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for listening. We'll join you next time.